What have you got there, Bill? A present for you, Henry. For little old me, it's the 70th anniversary of your arrival in Hornet Heaven, so I thought I'd get you something special. Here you are. Happy Founders Day, Henry. Golly, that's so kind. It's beautifully wrapped. Let me try to guess what it is before I open it. Hmm, it's soft. Ooh, it feels like it might be clothing. Ah, I know. Is it a Watford shirt? I'm hoping it'll be the right size for you. What? What did you say? I said, I'm hoping it'll be the right size for you. How dare you? Take it away instantly. What? But, but it, do you really think I'm the kind of person who wears replica shirts, Bill Mainwood? I haven't been so insulted in 70 years. Hornet Heaven Series 10 Episode 2 Shirty Written by Ollie Wicken Read by Colin Mace Earth Season 2018-19 On Friday, March the 22nd, 2019 Bill Mainwood entered Hornet Heaven's headquarters, a futuristic glass and steel atrium which stood on the site occupied by the Red Lion pub in the Land of the Living. The Afterlife's head of programmes was upset. He'd just been shouted at by Henry Grover, the father of the club. Bill went over to one of the yellow leather sofas and sat down next to Charlie Peacock. Charlie was one of Henry Grover's oldest friends. He played in the original Watford Rovers kickabout in Castlebury Park in 1881. Bill explained to Charlie what had just happened. Henry got, um, very shirty with me. It was most unlike him. I'm afraid you touched a nerve, old chum. You know what Henry's like when it comes to clothing? A fetishist? Well, uh, I'm not sure I'd quite put it like full-on pervert. <laughs> Possibly too strong. I describe him as passionate about colours, fabrics and styles. They make him dribble. Let's just say he's a particularly ardent connoisseur, in which case I don't understand why he rejected my present of a Watford top. It'll be because you implied he should wear it, Bill. But what's wrong with that? Everyone wears replica shirts these days, male and female, young and old, small and... Extra, 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 extra large. Henry has strong views on the matter, Bill. I once heard him argue that because football jerseys are designed for the torsos of elite athletes, the physique of the average fan spoils the garment's flow lines. I think he used the word moobs. It's also a strict principle of his that playing apparel should be for players only. Well, he needs to stop being so precious. The football shirt has been everyday leisure wear for everyday people since the 1980s. Henry's obviously stuck in the past. But in many ways he isn't, Bill. He adores the stripes of this season's design. He says they speak of power. Well, if he likes the kit so much, he should wear it. He needs to move with the times. I'm going to prove to Henry that it's perfectly acceptable to wear replica shirts by taking him on one of my famous magical history tours. 
and I'm going to do it right now. The father of the club was still in his regular booth in the gallery restaurant in the southwest corner of the stadium. Bill went back to him and said, Hello again, Henry. I'm sorry I offended you earlier. I was wondering if I could make it up to you by taking you on a magical history tour. Henry looked at Bill doubtfully. Hmm. Purely as an enjoyable recreational outing, you mean? Well, I... Or in an attempt to try and change my mind because you think I've got some sort of deep-seated psychosis about wearing replica shirts. Oh, oh dear. Ah! Ah! I've rumbled you, Bill, old chap. Oh, bother. I've foiled your dastardly plan. <laughs> Don't worry, old sausage. I'd be delighted to go on a tour with you. Really? Oh, good. Absolutely. But only if we do it on my terms. I don't want you trying to bamboozle me into believing the opposite of what I want to believe. So I'll be choosing the games. Come on, let's go straight away. Henry and Bill popped into the atrium where the father of the club chose two programmes from the shelves. Then Henry led Bill down Occupation Road. They went through the ancient turnstile in the slick black wall of the stadium. They arrived at a game taking place in a meadow. They were in Colney Butts Meadow, which in the late 19th century had been an open space near the eastern end of Vicarage Road. It had been Watford Rovers' home for a single season before they moved to Cassio Road in 1890. For that season only, Watford Rovers had worn tops with narrow vertical stripes of gold, black and red. Henry said, Oh, look at those gorgeous things. I like to gobble one up for breakfast. Bill recognised the kit and the opponents. He said, Aha, I've been back to watch this match before. It's a 3-2 win over Uxbridge Caxtonians on December the 28th, 1889. It was your final appearance with the club, Henry. Look, there you are, playing at halfback alongside Charlie Peacock. Exactly, Bill. It was the last time I ever pulled on a Watford shirt, and I don't mean that as a turn of phrase. I mean it literally. I've never worn a Watford shirt since. It would be wrong. Wrong? Why? Because in those days wearing it meant something. You'd been selected to represent the club. Just before this game kicked off, I personally handed a team jersey to each of our 11 players to mark the fact that they'd earned their place. Several true Watford legends like Freddie Sargent and Walter Coles over there were honoured to receive one. I see. I understand where you're coming from now. And I still believe the same today, Bill. If you haven't been selected to represent Watford on the field, you shouldn't wear the shirt. To do so is fraudulent and diminishes what the garment stands for. Golly, I hadn't thought about it like that. Good. Well, now you do. That's the power of a magical mystery tour. Henry smiled. He'd finished. He led his old friend back through the meadow towards the ancient turnstile. What's it like to be hoist with your own petard, old thing? Back in the atrium, Henry and Bill replaced their programmes on the shelves. Bill was smarting a little from Henry's jibe. It made him want to carry on the tour, following his own agenda this time. 
He said, I understand the point you made, Henry, but the truth is times have changed. The passage of years... Deary me, old thing. Not convinced by my argument? Very well. Let me try again. Henry went over to the shelves that housed games from the 1940s. He picked out two programmes. The passage of years changed nothing, old boy. Come on, I'll show you. Henry and Bill went through the ancient turnstile to a game at Vicarage Road four years after the Second World War. Bill gazed around the ground, the two stands, the state of the pitch, and the uncovered banking at the rookery end meant the backdrop to the action was largely corrugated iron and mud. It struck Bill that this was very different to the way the stadium in 2019 vibrantly and colourfully projected the club's identity. Henry said, This is April the 2nd, 1949. The first home game after I died and arrived in Hornet Heaven. We're playing Exeter. It's six decades after the game we just saw at Colney Butts Meadow and there's still not a replica shirt in sight. Thank goodness. People are appropriately and smartly dressed in coats, suits and hats. Rather than demeaning themselves with the standard-issue rugby-style top the team are wearing. Bill glanced at the crowd. People's clothes were mainly grey, black or brown. From a distance, the blur of people on the Vicarage Road terrace looked like a sea of unappetising gravy. Bill decided it was time to start advancing his case. He said, I'd say people are inappropriately dressed, Henry. None of the crowd are wearing the blue and white colours of 1940s Watford. They're not displaying their allegiance to the club. Of course they are. Use your ears. In 1949, supporters showed their allegiance through the medium of sound, not the medium of colour-fast cotton with heavyweight yarn and reinforced seams. Roaring encouragement is by far the best way to support your team. Football players are too busy watching the ball to notice what people in the crowd are wearing. But uh, don't argue, old sausage. These people had it right. They recognised that they were spectators and behaved as such. They didn't try to pass themselves off as footballers by wearing playing gear. But that's not what people who wear replica shirts these days are doing, Henry. No one thinks like you anymore. No one in 2019 sits down in the rookery next to someone who's wearing the current away top and says to themselves, Golly, have we just signed a fat 45-year-old? It's time to go. I've made my point. From 1889 to 1949, 60 years Nothing changed because it didn't need to change. Henry headed back towards the ancient turnstile. Bill followed. He'd had enough of Henry choosing which games they went to on this tour. Now it was going to be his turn. He overtook Henry to make sure he got to the programme shelves first. Bill took Henry to Watford's third-round FA Cup tie in January 1961, away to Rotherham United, where Watford fans had turned out in force. Bill and Henry joined the real-world away dayers in the visitors' paddock at Millmore, alongside the pitch. Watford had changed their club colours a season earlier, and the team was wearing a gold short-sleeved jersey that had two narrow black lines bordering the V-neck. It was the first Watford shirt ever to sport a club crest, a black shield, on the left breast, with the initials WFC in gold. Henry said, Look at the embroidery on that 
batch. I could kiss it. Around them, the visitor's paddock was a riot of gold and black. There were banners, scarves, rosettes and bobble hats. Bill said, This was when things had started to change, Henry. Fans had begun to express themselves visually. One of the fans in the real-world crowd was wearing a gold and black striped top hat that was clearly homemade. Henry shook his head in distaste. Oh, dear. That man's headwear is just tacky, gaudy. But then, Henry saw something he'd never noticed before. At least three young men in the crowd were wearing the same item of clothing. It was a baggy zip-up bomber jacket. It was boldly patterned like a harlequin costume with gold and black diamonds. Henry had never seen anything like it on a football terrace. He was in love. Oh, good Lord, that is delicious. Bill had no time for this. The only reason he brought Henry to this game was to make the point about fans starting to dress up in club colours. A development that would lead in time to their wearing replica shirts. He was impatient to take Henry to the next match he'd got planned. Come along, Henry. Time to continue the tour. But Henry was still gazing at the gold and black Harlequin patterned bomber jackets. Um, no, Bill, I, I, I'm happy here. I think I'll stay. Quite possibly forever. Bill pulled Henry by the arm. Come on! Next, Bill took Henry to a game at Vicarage Road in September 1967. A 4-1 win over Peterborough United, in which a 17-year-old Tony Curry scored a hat-trick on his fourth appearance for Watford. The two men stood on the bend and watched the teams kick off. Henry sighed. Oh... This was such a drab and uninspiring era for our kit design. It's utterly utilitarian. A total passion killer. In the crowd in front of them, a seven-year-old boy was emulating his heroes on the pitch by wearing a plain gold football jersey, plain black shorts and plain gold socks. Bill said, Interestingly, the generic nature of our kit allowed people to mimic it at a time when replicas weren't available in the shops. There was no club badge or manufacturer's logo. Nothing fancy, Henry, nothing distinctive. Look, this boy's mum has just gone to any old sports outfitters and bought the constituent parts so her child can pretend to be a Watford player. I do hope that doesn't offend you too much, Henry. No, I can excuse this. It's just a child dressing up. What's inexcusable is adults doing the same thing. Another interesting point to note is that it wasn't marketing and advertising by manufacturers or clubs that was the influence here. What you're seeing, Henry, is consumer demand for replica kit. It drove future developments. I'm sorry, Bill, but I don't buy your argument. A child dressing up like this didn't drive anything. The FKW look has never won fashion approval. Quite the opposite, in fact. F-K-W? Oh, Bill, surely you know the term. Full kit... <coughs> oh, dear, is something stuck in your throat, Henry? F-K? 
K.W. Bill. Full kit... <coughs> Do you need some water? Never mind, Bill, never mind. What's the next game on your list? Goodness me, the cup final. Bill led Henry deep onto the terraces of the old Wembley Stadium. This was the greatest occasion in our entire history. And the greatest disappointment in our entire history. Because we lost. No, because here in the crowd, grown men were wearing replica shirts with the eyes of the watching world upon us, Bill. Oh, the shame of it. No wonder Graham Taylor could never bring himself to watch the match back. As Bill and Henry had already witnessed at Rotherham in 1961, people had long enjoyed dressing up for FA Cup ties. But by May 1984, fans were taking things to a whole new level for the Cup final. The excitement and celebration of watching the team in the season's showpiece had come to legitimise something that had previously been the preserve of small children. Wearing the same top as your heroes. Bill said, the 1980s were the turning point in the history of replica shirts. They were being manufactured for adults by now. The ones you see around you here were available for purchase in the Hornet's shop. But that didn't mean adults should lose their minds and actually wear the things. After that, it snowballed, Henry. Football fans want every game to be special. So they started wearing their special get-up to more and more big matches to create a greater sense of occasion. Before long, they were wearing replica shirts to every game. It became normal behaviour. I'm sorry, Bill, but you're spouting nonsense. There's simply nothing normal about non-footballers wearing playing gear. I love our cup final top more than I can say. It's a thing of total beauty. I could lie naked and inhale the aura of its magnificence for hours on end. But actually wearing the thing would be the... the... the behaviour of a deviant. Henry stormed off. Bill watched him go. He sighed. Either his magical history tour wasn't working, or the father of the club was beyond help. Back on the other side of the ancient turnstile, Bill searched for Henry. They drew a blank. The father of the club wasn't to be found in the atrium or the gallery restaurant. Bill went back to his office, disappointed and frustrated. The present he tried to give Henry earlier was sitting on his desk, still in its wrapping paper. He sat down and stared morosely at the gift. Suddenly, he had a hunch where Henry might be. He picked up the present and left the office. Bill made his way down the slope of Occupation Road and went round behind the rookery stand. At the far end, behind the southwest corner, he descended the steps that led down towards the old allotments. At the bottom, he turned to his right. He concealed Henry's present behind his back and entered the 1881 Movement's underground bunker. Bill knew that the bunker was where Hornet Heaven stored its collection of memorabilia and clothing that had been sold in the Hornet shop over the years. The collection had proved useful in recent times. For example, when residents wanted to dress up at Halloween, or when Bill had needed 1980s his and hers Watford jumpers to reconcile a husband and wife who'd grown apart in Hornet Heaven. Bill suspected he might find Henry here, seeking solace from the way the magical history tour had ended, 
by surrounding himself with his favourite replica shirts and making a point of not wearing them. Inside, the walls of the bunker lent a yellow tinge to the subterranean gloom. Bill peered ahead. On the far side, he could make out two figures sitting on the bunker floor, surrounded by piles of shirts. He recognised the black and white away stripes from 2014-15 and the red and black away stripes from 1997-98. He heard a voice saying, Oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, bring it on. Oh, 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 yes. Raw, sensual gratification. Oh, give it to me. Just give it to me. Bill was relieved that these words weren't being uttered by the man who founded the august institution that is Watford Football Club. Instead, it was Frank Gammon speaking. Frank was widely renowned as the angriest fan in Hornet Heaven, but he also had a private behind closed doors bent for replica shirts. He was sitting with Henry, caressing the mid-1990s teal and burgundy away top. He was sweating slightly. Oh, you beautiful piece of man-made fibre. You're hitting the spot there. Oh, bad dog, bad dog. Oh, look at the stretch on that. Oh, oh, that stitching is well tight. Uh, excuse me? Hello? Frank looked up and saw Bill. He got to his feet. Oh, I, um, I, uh, uh, Frank scuttled away out of the bunker. Henry smiled at Bill, slightly sheepishly. Hello, old thing. <laughs> uh, Frank and I were, were, were just, um... Bill held up a hand to indicate that he required no further detail. He sat down beside the father of the club and said gently, I came to say I'm calling off the tour, Henry. Ah, good. Well, I can't say I'm not pleased, old boy. I just don't think I'll ever find it acceptable to wear a replica shirt. It may seem odd to you, Bill, finding me here like this, but I have certain principles. I know you do, but I hope the early games of the tour at least gave you some context, showing you how the trend started. Next, I was going to take you to a game in the late 1980s, when fans had a terrible reputation and wearing a football shirt became a symbol of pride in a discredited sport. Oh dear, that sounds rather yobbish. More Lampers kind of thing, not mine. After that, I was going to take you to a game in the mid-1990s, after Sky had infected football with commercialisation and hype. I was going to show you how fans started wearing vintage tops from earlier, less exploitative times, reclaiming the spirit of the game from big business. Oh, good for them. The effect of commercialisation has been quite sordid. Fans in replica gear are basically now just walking advertisements for bookies and loan sharks. In more recent times, hipsters have adopted old-school shirts for their retro call from teams all over the world. To be fair, old thing, retro does hold a certain appeal to an old-timer like me. But as a loyal Watford fan, all I don't want for Christmas is a Dukla Prague away kit. As a finale, I was going to take you to last week's cup quarter-final against Palace to show you how replica shirts have developed to become part of the fan spectacle at Vicarage Road in combination with the Tifos, surfers and flags. Henry softened at the memory. Ah, <sighs> you know the truth is, old chap, I do love those displays, 
but I still find it hard to accept the idea of spectators dressing up in players' clothing. To me, it's bizarre. As bizarre as if Watford fans dressed up in, I don't know, full-length hornet costumes. I mean, why not do that if you want to look ludicrous? Now there's an image, a stadium packed with 18,000 Harry Hornets. <laughs> Henry smiled at the idea. He was feeling a great warmth towards his old friend, despite their inability to see things the same way on the matter of replica tops. He said, I'm sorry, old thing, but I don't think I can change. I'm passionate about clothes. I adore football shirts, and I've become besotted with dozens of Watford designs over the years. I gaze at them. I touch them. I don't mind admitting I sniff them sometimes. I think I even licked one once. But I won't ever wear one. It's just not someone I am. Bill put a hand on Henry's arm to show that he understood. Henry said, Thank you for trying, old chap, but I think I'll just stick to adoring the jerseys we have in our archive from the Hornet shop, and I'll stick to imagining that I could touch, sniff, and perhaps lick the shirts from the days before the Hornet shop, the beautiful old tops that we don't have in this collection here. Oh, the long-lost kits of yesteryear. Only visible at old games in Hornet Heaven. You still hanker for those, do you? Goodness, I do. I'd give anything to press my face lovingly into the Watford Rovers' gold, black and red stripes we saw earlier today. Or playfully finger the lace that tied the front neck of the plain white shirt from 1909. Or, well, I daren't quite admit what I might do to the garment I crave the most. The most beautiful shirt in Hornet history. Bill smiled at his friend's frankness, and he smiled at the perfect opportunity that now presented itself. He'd been holding Henry's present behind his back since he'd arrived in the bunker. He handed it to Henry. He said, Let me try again, Henry. Happy Founder's Day. You don't have to wear what's inside. Henry thought back to how he'd reacted to the present the first time around. He smiled bashfully. Golly, you're too kind, old thing, really you are. I don't deserve friends like you. Sitting cross-legged on the floor, Henry began to unwrap the present on his lap. I must admit, I'd been secretly wondering what shirt you'd got me. Bill watched as Henry parted the wrapping paper and looked down. He couldn't be quite sure, but in the yellow-tinged gloom of the bunker, a golden light seemed to rise from the package and illuminate Henry's face. Henry gasped. No! He gazed at what was in the wrapping paper. No, Bill. Yes, Henry. No, Bill. Yes, Henry. Yes, Bill. Yes, yes, the 1974-75 away shirt. The jersey was bright red with yellow collar and cuffs. It had a yellow cartoon hornet on the right breast. Down the left side front, it had two stripes. One yellow, 
one black. It was beautiful. The most beautiful shirt in Hornet history. I can't believe it. Watford never sold these to fans. Where did you find it? I was rummaging about in one of the lock-up garages on Occupation Road. I found it in its original packaging at the bottom of a cardboard box beneath a pile of old football boots. Henry stared at his present, pristine in its transparent wrapper. He went silent for a few moments. Dare I touch it? Knowing you, I suspect you'd enjoy it if you did. It's 100% polyester. Oh, 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 no, Bill. I daren't, I daren't. It's too beautiful. But shirts are meant to be touched, Henry. In fact, they're meant to be worn. I understand, Bill. Shirts are meant to be worn. Henry carried on staring at the garment. There was desire in his eyes. Unconsummated desire. I just feel, Henry, that this particular one deserves to be worn. Also, it's the only one of its type in Hornet Heaven. If someone did want to wear it... Keep going, Bill. I won't snap at you. If someone did want to wear it, that someone should be you. The father of the club. The most ardent kit connoisseur in Hornet Heaven. Henry's eyes were still devouring the 1974-75 away top. Bill got to his feet. Well, I'll, um, let you decide what you do with it. Henry finally looked up at Bill. His eyes moistened slightly. Thank you, Bill. You're so good to me. No problem, Henry. No problem at all. I'll, um... I'll leave you to your own devices. Bill made his way through the gloom, out of the bunker. <laughs> Don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> Eight days later, on Saturday, March the 30th, 2019, Bill Mainwood sat with Charlie Peacock at Watford's next match. They were in the away section at Old Trafford. Around them, in the land of the living, dozens of Watford fans were wearing replica shirts. Most were in the current season's home stripes, or away green. But Bill and Charlie spotted plenty of tops from previous years. Charlie said, You know, Bill, that home one from 2012-13 over there, with the black panel on one shoulder, makes me think of Alman Abdi. Oh. Dear, dear Alman, how I miss him. Bill noticed someone wearing the 2009-2010 home top. It caused a particular memory to come flooding back. Ah, oh, the night Lloyd Doyley scored. Then they both saw the early 1990s home shirt with what looked like red and black tractor tyre marks across the chest and arms. Jack, Jack Ugh. But it wasn't only real-world fans who were wearing replica shirts and getting a reaction. Not far away from Bill and Charlie, there was a growing hubbub among Hornet Heaven residents in the crowd. 
Ah, that's beautiful. Where did you get it? Oh my god, that's stunning. Watford fans, young and old, of all types, were in awe. You know what I mean, fam? Man, that got class, innit? Whoa, dude, those are some cool retro threads. Oh, that hangs beautiful. Oh, not a wrinkle. Oh, pure polyester poetry. Everyone was looking at Henry Grover. The father of the club was sitting in the middle of the Watford away section in his pristine 1974-75 away top, with its glorious strawberry red and its sunshine yellow. There was a look of huge pleasure on Henry's face at the positive attention he was getting. Bill spotted Henry and made his way over. He was amazed how different his old friend looked. He said, Golly, Henry, you've scrubbed up well. Thank you, old sausage. How does the thing look on me? Bill thought for a moment. He chose a word he thought would please Henry. Ravishing, Henry. Ravishing. Henry beamed with delight. Then he said, You know, Bill, I can't thank you enough for how happy you've made me. Your magical history tour and this wonderful present have made me realise something. I now know I was wrong about wearing replica jerseys. And I'm delighted with my newfound knowledge. Well, I'm pleased you've changed your mind. Wearing them makes lots of Watford fans very happy indeed. Of course it does, old thing. I don't know why I couldn't see it before. Putting on a Watford shirt as a fan is about self-expression and identity. It announces not just who you support, but who you are in so many other ways too. Your style, your values, your personal history. It's an emotional thing too. To wear a replica shirt is to physically wrap ourselves in the club we love. It puts the club badge as close as possible to our hearts, where our love for the Orns resides. Thank you for helping me realise that, Bill. Bill said he was happy if he'd helped at all. Then he noticed Henry was holding out a small wrapped package. In return, old thing, I've got this for you. For little old me, Bill took the present. He felt it before opening it. It was soft. It felt like it might be clothing. But there wasn't enough material for it to be a shirt. Open up and take a look, old son. I'm not sure they'll ever quite take off as leisure wear for fans, but I got them in your colour. Bill unwrapped the present to find a pair of replica shorts. Black shorts. They were from 2003, with a meandering thin yellow line from hip to front hem. Lord knows it pains me that they're black and not red, but I suppose I just have to accept your strange foibles, Bill Mainwood, my dearest friend. Bill laughed. He stepped close to Henry and gave his old friend a huge hug. 
wrapping his arms around arguably the best shirt a club could ever have and arguably the best founder a club could have. You owns, Henry. You owns, Bill. The end. The next episode of Hornet Heaven will be Series 10, Episode 3. This particular episode of Hornet Heaven was inspired and informed by a sporting history article written by Watford fans Chris Stride and Nick Cately and Joe Headland on how, over time, replica football shirts became adult leisure wear. There's a link to the article on our website at hornetheaven.com. Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wickham. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wickham.